G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. Here's some tips for maintaining your Trex deck. Um, occasionally wash it with some soapy water or a pressure cleaner. Trex composite decking is low maintenance and won't fade, splinter or warp. Trex, the world's number one decking brand. This is Mornings with Ian Smith. Morena, New Zealand, good morning to you. 9.03 here on SENZ. Ian Smith with you until midday today with uh, a busy review show, really. We look back at the Test match with uh, Grant Nisbet, of course, the Springboks getting up over the All Blacks. So not very often we get to uh, review a losing performance. James Marshall, his Tasman team was hot at the weekend. Uh, he is the assistant coach. Uh, they knocked over Southland, uh, but this week they have the Shield on their mind, the Ranfurly Shield. Gary Stead and his co-coaches uh, and uh, Devin Conway head off today to uh, the UAE for the T20 World Cup. We'll uh, catch up with Gary Stead before he goes. The panel will consist of Honey Hedemi Smiler and uh, Jamie Wall this morning. Nice review panel there. And Vossi, of course, with a look back on uh, the NRL Grand Final, where did it rate for him? Sport is our religion, and here is Smithy's Sermon. Well, if the All Blacks can take one lesson from Saturday night's loss to the Springboks, it might be never to be too committed to how you think the opposition will try and play. The Khaleesi-led green machine ran and passed more than the men in black and kicked less, contrary to all our popular belief. Jacques Nineveh's plan foxed us all, to be honest. If you thought the Springboks would play that way, you're in a very small minority and you should have rung Ian Foster. And when the South African coach changed his entire front row prior to half-time with a much more strong, committed and technically better coordination, he signalled his finger was very near the pulse of the game. I must have interviewed a hundred and a hundred hundred coaches over the years. And everyone, when I asked the question, where will the game be won, they say, up front. Up front. True again, our scrum was creaky, the lineouts were nervy, infringing was frequent, and we still, believe it or not, towards the end of the game, could have won it. However, the decision making might take a pounding in the review too. On reflection, putting the faith in Geordie to knock them over may have been better founded than the line-out drive, and calling for discipline around the offside lines seemed to be severely lacking. You give an English referee a chance to have the final say in a crucial test match on a big stage, and he will always take it. It's in his DNA. And it's not, by the way, in the South African DNA to kick the pants off the ball every time, is it? And it's not in our DNA to win every time, but it is to expect it. And while the All Blacks think tank will now be taking stock, it might be time for us at home to do the same. This bloody virus, it isn't going anywhere, but it is capable of going everywhere. Put it in a truck, deliver it round the joint, and just like that, it starts creeping down the map. So for us, our lockdown performance now is much more crucial than our breakdown performance. Us gloaters sitting comfortably at level two, better check those toilet paper levels. It's announcement day in Wellington. Don't expect any favours from the beehive. This is 
one of the great battles between these two fierce rivals. Three and a half to play. Now the penalty advantage for the All Blacks. He's bringing it back around. The flags are up. All Blacks retake the lead with less than two to play. Yankees finds Diaga. Penalty from in front. The whistle goes. The Springboks with a chance to win it after the siren. Elton Yankees. Flags are up. What a finale it's been. Spirit, heart, muscle. The Springboks pull off a famous win. An instant classic. Uh, the All Blacks suffered their first defeat of the season on, on Saturday night, of course, going down 31 to 29 to the Springboks and a classic encounter on the Gold Coast. And joining us now to analyse the match and uh, look forward to perhaps a little bit to the Northern Tour uh, is Sky Sports' voice of rugby, Grant Nisbet. Good uh, morning to you, Nisbo, this uh, Monday morning. Not often we have to, re to look back at, at a, an all-black loss. What did you make of it, mate? G'day, Smithy. Um, I found it pretty disappointing, to be honest with you. Um, I didn't think we'd made any progress from the week before. Um, I think the story of the game was the Springboks played better, and I expected, I think everybody expected they would, but I didn't think we showed much. Um, you know, we went uh, two second halves against the Springboks without scoring a try. Now, the All Blacks are noted for their ability to break teams down and then cash in in the last 20 minutes or so, but in the first test, we couldn't score a try in the second half. We had to rely on Geordie Barrett. And in the second test, same thing. And just that lack of composure, you know, you get the ball with a minute to go. All you've got to do is kill it for a minute, and we concede a penalty. Um, it was just, uh, it, it was highly disappointing. It was disappointing. Uh, and it was also, I think, we were caught on the hop. I mean, it's not very often we are, but I, I'm not sure that they expected the Springboks to play that way with so much ball in hand. I, I reckon they were really caught out by that. I think you're right, um, but they shouldn't have been because, you know, anyone who's watched the, the Springboks over the years know that they can produce that sort of rugby when it suits them. Uh, the first test match, they had no real intent when it came to passing the ball, but um, they had to change something. I mean, if you, you look into the psyche of the Springboks, you'd have to say, if, you, if they were analysing the game, they had to change something. And they weren't going to win by just kicking it every single time. So what were they going to change? They were going to move the ball when it was advantageous to do so. And they did. And um, we should have been able to predict that. We were pretty average uh, over the ball. We gave away a hell of a lot of penalties. And uh, that's why I say it was a disappointing performance. OK, let's uh, look at uh, what Nenuba did tactically. And just before half-time, uh, he changed his entire front row, the whole front row. And, and we, you know, you see tactical changes often, but not that many just prior to a break. So what he was looking at the window at obviously didn't please him. It made a hell of a difference. Well, I did. I think the, I think the reserve front row is, is better than the starting front row. And I think he acknowledges that. And he just wanted to get them on a bit earlier. And it's almost unprecedented, really. That normally happens early in the second half, if it's going to happen at all. I don't think I've ever seen an entire front row changed uh, five minutes before half-time. So that was quite remarkable. And as I say, I'm pretty sure he got his best front row uh, on the park at that stage. 
the other guys looked like they might have been running out of puff, and uh, fair enough, it was a fairly high-speed game. But I think tactically, it was a great move on his part, and so also was the replacement of Lily LaRue, who had a bit of a nightmare. To get Franz Stain on, um, he made one heck of a difference as well. So, I mean, I think, I think the Springboks uh, can probably say, and uh, rather smugly say, they won the battle of the tactics in this test. He's got big France stain, hasn't he? I mean, I, you know, I look in the mirror a bit and disgust it myself, but uh, he's got massive, that bloke. Yeah, he has. He has. He spent a lot of time uh, playing in France, etc., etc. So I suppose frog legs and what have you, Smithy. But um, <laughs> uh, he's still a very good tactical, tactical player. And he's got a massive punt on him. And he was sound under the high ball, whereas Billy LaRue was terrible under the high ball. So, um, look, he wasn't afraid to make changes. And I think really the story of this test match is that they... Uh, the Springboks got a lot more impact off the bench than what we managed. So you know, I know we've got a, two or three players at home that we didn't, couldn't have. That, who would have played? Of course, Whitelock would have played. Aaron Smith would have played. Uh, and any starting 15, Sam Kane's due back shortly. But what, have we learnt anything? Have we gone forward in any department in the game uh, in these last um, matches over, over in Australia? Well... <laughs> I mean, it looked all so rosy, didn't it? Uh, you know, we beat Australia 3-0 and we, we put the Pumas away fairly readily. But uh, when it came to the crunch, um, we didn't look as though we'd made a heck of a lot of progress. Uh, obviously, we feel we've got tremendous depth. But uh, when that depth is exposed against the very best team, you've got to wonder, really. As I say, there was very little impact off the bench. The lineouts were terrible, and one thing I do, um, and, and I've always been a wee bit this way, advocating contesting in lineouts, because rugby is a game where you must contest possession. You simply must. And to see teams lamely letting the opposition have lineouts really annoys me. Right across the board, club rugby, provincial rugby, super rugby, international rugby, it annoys me. But uh, the Springboks put players up. They contested our ball, and we were found wanting. And really, that uh, you know, they turned over three or four of our lineouts, and at the end of the day, that could have been the difference between winning and losing. I, I look at it, and I think you know, if we had to pick another team tomorrow, we don't for a while, obviously. Uh, but if we had to pick another one tomorrow, I, I'm still I've got no idea who they play on the wing. I, I've got no idea what the loose forward trio would be. I've got no idea who'd be at centre. Uh, it, sort of, am I am I alone in that? No, you're not alone at all. You're not alone at all. Um, look, the wingers are all much of a muchness, aren't they? Um, there's no really outstanding winger in the, in, the, in the three or four that we have over there. Um, the midfield is uncertain. Uh, Anton Leonard-Brown looked like he might have been short of a gallop, unfortunately. I mean, he's a, he's a quality player. We all know that. Um, David Arbeli has had a great season, but uh, he was a bit of a non-event on Saturday. The Springbok... Midfield really stood up. I mean, Dale Ende and, uh, and Arm played really, really well. And our midfield just didn't get a crack. And as for the mix of the loose forwards, well, who knows? I mean, you've got Sam Kane, you've got Shannon Frizzell both back here in New Zealand at the moment. Uh, whether, they, um, whether they play a big part on the Northern Tour remains to be seen. Sam Kane hasn't played for Bay of Plenty. And so um, it's a bit of a worry that he's got absolutely no game time uh, behind him. Um, I think the real standout on Saturday, or two standouts really, were Adi Savia and, uh, and Geordie Barrett. They were the two best All Blacks on the field by quite some distance. I'm still not sure that the captaincy sits that well with Adi. I think he'd prefer just to get on and play the game 
and let others make uh, some of the big decisions. Um, but he was he was absolutely outstanding in uh, in terms of the All Black forward pack. And Geordie Barrett, where the hell would we be without him at the moment? Well, yeah, and then you have the confidence, though, in this panel to turn around and say, well, you know, if we picked another team tomorrow, would Geordie be at fullback? I mean, I got a question this morning to to say, well, would you put him on the wing and put Bowden back there if uh, Richie Moonga came in? I mean, why are we asking them so, ourselves these questions all the time? Why, no, why no, haven't we got no, we some more be. cement we, about the team? Yeah, look... <laughs> You play your best players in their best positions, and the best fullback in the country at the moment is Geordie Barrett, and that's it. That's it. So he plays there, and um, and you know all the rest have to fit around. I mean, fiddling around playing Geordie Barrett on the wing is is hopeless, absolutely hopeless. He'd, he'd be the first to say he's not a winger. There are better wingers around than him, and uh, I think this concept of just putting your best fifteen players out on the field and uh, finding a position for them. That's finished. Surely that's finished. Geordie, uh, yeah, absolutely right. Geordie at, at fullback for me. Start at the back. and But then you come down to, you work your way through a, a reshuffled every week back line and you come to halfback, which is also uh, reshuffled. Of course, Aaron Smith not there and we've got to live without him until uh, after Christmas. We know that. So do we have a starting nine? Was Weber convincing enough for you? Well, I think he's probably got his nose in front, um, Smithy. Uh, TJ just looks a little off the pace to me at the moment, and whether he plays himself, you know, we we know that he didn't play um, very much rugby, came back from uh, Japan, where the standard of rugby, quite frankly, is way below international, we all know that, and to expect a bloke to come from that back into international rugby is expecting way too much, so I'd have Weber, I'd have Weber there as clearance, uh, he's brave, uh, he's fast, <clears throat> so I see him, I see him at the moment, if we're picking a team to play uh, France or Wales or somebody tomorrow, then I'm, I've got Weber at number nine and TJ coming off the bench. We need, uh, I mean, we need the All Black captain back. I mean, uh, it's Sam Kane. Sam Kane, he was the appointed one. Uh, I don't think they can get him back in enough a hurry because I, when you change captains all the time, and I've been in teams where you, you change your captains, there's a different feel every, under every captain. It's just that uh, every human is different. Everyone's different the way they lead things. But we need to get back to one leader making decisions and making damn sure uh, when it comes to the crunch, we don't concede penalties. I mean, that must have been the clearest message going into that last minute or two. Yeah, absolutely agree. And of course, uh, not only the leadership qualities of Sam Kane, but not having Sam Whitelock there as well. Obviously, if, uh, if he'd been available, he would have been captain in Australia. Um, mm. Yeah, you're absolutely right. It, it just needed somebody to say, look, boys, we've got a minute to try and kill this game off. Uh, let's not make any mistakes. And I heard you, I heard the sermon from the pulpit, and you're absolutely right. You give an English referee a chance to decide the game, and they'll take it. They'll absolutely take it. Yeah, it was very, it was very frustrating, and, and it, you could almost see it unfolding in front of your eyes. He just wanted to be um, a big part of it, and, and it, as the game went on, it was more and more apparent. So, okay, uh, that's where to from here, of course, um, the... the, the it seems we've got a bigger an issue against the big strong teams who match us and sometimes are a bit more powerful than us. So, what what do you think we have to do? In, in all honesty, as we head north now. Well, we've just got to muscle up, uh, Smithy. Um, you know, physically, uh, we we tried to match the Springboks. Maybe we matched them. I'm not sure. We certainly didn't dominate them. 
I think the big game on this uh, on this venture north is going to be the French, quite frankly, because that's where the World Cup is being held in a couple of years' time. We know how they've uh, developed. They sent a second-string team down to Australia and were good enough to take them uh, to three matches. And uh, I know that Wales will be tough. They always are. Uh, but they haven't beaten us for a while. Ireland, of course, have got good recent history over us. But I do think the big match is against the French. And uh, you come up against the French in Paris on on um, you know on a big night and that's going to be really really tough and I think that's where we'll get a gauge of just where this All Black team sits uh, with a couple of years out from the World Cup. Good on you, mate. Uh, as always, Nisbo, thanks for your very honest appraisal uh, on that All Black loss. Um, and go well. We might uh, might even catch you at a game of rugby shortly at some point. Well, Smithy, I'll see you at Napier on Saturday, mate. Oh, the big one, the big one. Good on you, mate. The big one, mate. Well, yes, it should be a beauty. I look forward to it. Okay, Nisbo, we shall uh, we shall try and um, and perhaps have a, a, a tipple afterwards if time permits. So there you go. All the best, man. Good on you, mate. Cheers. Cheers. Grant Nisbo there is uh, always with a very honest appraisal. Uh, he's seen more rugby tests than most of us put together, and he's right and everything he said there. That was not good, and it was. Um, I can't, it's not crucial in that they've already put the, the trophies in the cabinet. There's no problem about that. You know, they've got the championship, they've got the Freedom Cup, they've got everything in the bank, so mission accomplished in that department. But we do expect a lot, and uh, we didn't get a lot. 920 um, um is our text number. Already they're flooding in with your opinion, and uh, keep them flooding. Keep them flooding uh, on where you think it went wrong and what perhaps we need to do. Nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Well, we're running a Text of the Week uh, competition. Uh, you will win a temper pillow worth $299, bucks, your $300 pillow. Uh, that and the, best, the best text of the month will uh, win a temper queen package, including a temper queen mattress, temper queen adjustable base, and two temper pillows valued at this. 10K, get that, $10,000. So be busy, be busy, and you have been already this morning. Uh, what about the amount of penalties we give away? No doubt about that. Uh, that was very concerning. Man of the match, Rene Naylor, the Bok physio. Uh, that was an interesting confrontation he had with the officials, wasn't it? Not very often they stopped the game and uh, read the riot act to the, uh, the bench, the water boys, but uh, absolutely on the money there. Uh, Sam Kane isn't the, in the best four or five loose forwards in the country. I don't know how he's going to come back, but being captain, I guess... Uh, he has got a free pass. Um, interesting point. Uh, we don't know how he will come back. I'd imagine he's uh, going to play for Bay of Plenty very shortly. Uh, and then, of course, he'll, he'll, he'll hit that test match uh, against the USA. That'll be his comeback to the black jersey without doubt. Uh, hi, Smithy JD. Nisbo, uh, exact in his line-out comment, you must jump. If the throw is a bit off, it puts pressure to get a turnover. Thanks, Anthony. Yep, uh, Nisbo's been singing from that song sheet uh, ever since people stopped jumping in lineouts. Uh, not sure why we didn't get South Africa to kick off again instead of a scrum. As you said, it was creaky. It's from Hugh. Uh, morning, uh, Ian. Great reality check from Grant Nisbet. We're absolutely rudderless in this game. They monstered us in the forwards, as the stats reflect. Can't do much from 10 metres behind the game line. Hope our coach is not too arrogant in thinking we can run teams off their feet. Very disappointing again this week. Cheers, Brian. Hi, Smithy. Four key points. We didn't challenge the referee with the box lying on a tackled player. Our line-out is a shambles. Where was Retallick? 
No punch in the midfield. We need a big bruiser in the midfield. No mongrels in the forwards. If a team played without passion, aggression like Geordie and Artie, if they played with passion and aggression like Geordie and Artie did, we would have won. I'm worried about the World Cup. That's Tim uh, already this far out. So a lot of uh, expressions of, um, I say, I might say um, disappointment, I think. John, we'll, we'll put it down at disappointment. Uh, and a couple in terms of uh, dismay, I think. It, it wasn't pretty. Um, and, you know, I think we were caught on the hop. Absolutely caught on the hop. I've, I've read comments from Artie Savier, from Ian Foster, saying we didn't probably expect they'd play at us this way. So they didn't cover all the bases. No, they didn't. I uh, enjoyed your sermon, and Nisbo was bang on uh, with that interview first up as well. Really enjoyed that too. Um, yeah, key questions that weren't answered against England in that semi-final loss, I think, at the last World Cup came up again at the weekend, Smithy. That's the most worrying thing for me. When a team attacks our breakdown and outmuscles us um, at set piece, we don't seem to have an answer. We didn't have one against England two years ago. We didn't have one at the weekend. And I look at six and twelve. When I look at positions where you need to beat big teams who try to outmuscle you, you need a strong ball runner at 12, uh, like Ma Nonu used to be for us. I don't think David Havili's that guy. And then you need a dominating, imposing six who can be a good uh, line-out forward as well. And I don't think we have one in Akira Iwani. So horses for courses, I think you play Akira when you want to play running rugby. But when you come up against a team that wants to outmuscle you and play at set piece, I think we need a new six and maybe a new 12, Smithy. So some questions out of the weekend for me, for sure. Oh, look, her question's all right. At least they've got a, a few weeks to work through it because, of course, they can't come home. Um, they're staying, I think, on the Gold Coast for a little while to get uh, rid of some of those bruises. Yeah, there was some blood spilt, uh, particularly pretty ugly scenes at the end with that head clash with the South Africans. But, uh, gee, they're tough men. They are tough men. And uh, they really were un- uncompromising across the board. So... They'll be very satisfied with that. Uh, Dwayne has uh, texted in, Morning Smithy, I hate to say it, but I can't see us winning the next World Cup. With this coaching setup, we look very ordinary, lack vision and composure in the big games. The other top teams contending for the next World Cup won't worry about coming up against us anymore. Time for fresh ideas, time for Razor to step in. Well, we know that's too late, uh, Dwayne. Uh, it's a nice idea, but that can't happen because uh, Ian Foster has been appointed to go through until the end of the next World Cup. Uh, and so I guess... What what coaches need to realise, and I, I imagine this is the case, that that you, you never stop learning as a coach either. You never stop learning, and they got a lesson, a lesson to be learned, that uh, they they really thought they were going to kick it at us, just like they did last week, and they kicked less than we did in the end, which is intriguing, really intriguing. 9.30 here on SENZ, and it's Trudy time. Well, it's been an interesting couple of weeks for the Tasman rugby team. Of course, they're playing through champions. Uh, they got a little bit of lesson on how to do it uh, against Waikato, and then they turned around and delivered uh, the goodies uh, yesterday against Southland and Blenheim with a very convincing 51-14 um, excursion. Uh, it was good. It was very good and uh, never in doubt. Uh, and so they've got a big job this week, a big flight up from um, from down that way, Nelson and Blenheim uh, up to Napier. Uh, and on that flight, they can contemplate whether they've got the goodies to take the shield off the mighty Hawks Bay. James Marshall, Tasman assistant coach, is with us right here and now. Uh, good morning to you, James. Yesterday would have been pleasing for you. Morning, Smithy. Yeah, mate, even getting you talking about the Ram through the shield like that gets me, gets me excited. It's been a 
a long time before we, since we've had a crack for that. But yeah, really pleased with the performance yesterday. I thought um, our intent was a lot better than it was against Waikato. Um, Southland, we knew the strength that they had. They were really niggly side around the breakdown. They relied a lot on Banksy's kicking game, and I thought we took those threats away from them early on in the game. And uh, we did have a bit of a strong breeze behind us in that first half, and we sort of, um, once we got off that lead, I thought we controlled the game really well and um, felt like we were always in control of that one. You've had a few players out with injury, most teams do. So you've brought in a, a couple of sevens players added to the mix. How, how are they fitting into the 15s game for you? Yeah, mate, they've been awesome. Uh, they arrived last week. Um, Regan arrived down on our second training day. Learned knew all the calls as soon as he arrived, um, his professionalism. And same with um, Stubby as well, Andrew Newtub. Um, he trained really well against our side. So, mate, they've, they've added a real impact to the squad. They've fitted in seamlessly, so... They've been awesome additions because, like you say, we have had a fair few injuries. Um, but, yeah, like you say, every team gets that. But on top of our, a few of our guys also made the All Blacks, which was initial. Um, I mean, we, we always planned for a few of them, but probably not as many as we did. So, um, yeah, and added to the injuries, we've got, we're really testing our depth now. But it was awesome to see some of our young guys step up in the weekend. Some of these homegrown guys, Maka Springer, only 18 years old, um, Starting debut on the weekend, he had, a, he had an unreal game. He's an exciting prospect. Some guys like uh, Jim Tavakavanawai as well, the other big Fijian right winger, he was impressive in the weekend as well. So it's awesome to have these young young guys stepping up, given the opportunities from these injuries. Interesting competition, isn't it? We see uh, Northland knocking over uh, Waikato. Um, you know, the, every weekend there seems to be. Um, something that you, you, that raises your eyebrows about it. No predictability, mate. It's 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 crazy. Like some, of, it's so hard to stack up the form. Um, it'll be a punter's nightmare, I'm sure. I'm sure you're probably losing plenty from it, Smithy. But um, some of these some of these games are like you say, really hard to pick. Um, like like it's a little bit of a cliche, but you got to really turn up every week because, um, like we saw with North and beating like at any team can beat any team. So. Um, you really have to be on your game mentally um, every week. Between you and your brother, Tom, have you actually, guys, have you held the Ramfilly Shield between you at any stage? Um, I did for Taranaki, so Tasman have only had two challenges in their history, which is um, pretty crazy in itself. But um, the first Shield challenge I played for um, Tasman when they lost to Wellington, and the second time I had actually changed Provinces, so I've gone up to Taranaki, and our first challenge was against Tasman. So um, that was a that was a classic game too. I think it was something like 45, 42, or something, something ridiculous, and um, managed to be on the right end of the result that time, but um, for the wrong province. Now then, okay, so uh, the week has finally arrived. I know that you guys uh, always say, look, we only focus on one game at a time. We we weren't even thinking about the Ranfurly Shield, but I'll bet you were. I'll bet you boys were looking at that Ranfurly Shield game a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, well, mate, as soon as, that, um, as soon as we knew that game was on, so it was obviously a pretty um, nerve-wracking watch, Hawks Bay, Bay Plenty, right down to the wire, the golden, golden Point Thriller. But as soon as um, Hawks Bay had won that, we knew the Shield Challenge was on. So it was it was exciting times from then. And yeah, without a doubt, in the background, we've been the coaches have anyway been looking at um, Hawks Bay as much as we can. But 
Um, it was a relief to get that Southland game out of the way because, yeah, you're right, you don't, you can't look too far ahead because, like I said before, if you start thinking too far ahead, you, you'll get knocked over. So we tried to be really clear around the job we had to do with Southland, but now that game's out of the way, now we can get really excited about what's about to come. So what, what do you have to do um, to take it? I mean, you know, the, the, this is uh, quite a good run of defences I've had at the moment. Uh, they've had a week off to freshen a few uh, sore legs and things. So, uh, what what are you feeling you're going to have to do, uh, looking at Hawks Bay and and um, and the pattern of play they have? They're they're a really quality side. They obviously led really well by Dicko Ash Dixon. Right? He's a, he's such an inspirational leader, and he plays a massive part in in their game. Um, and they've obviously got a lot of young, exciting talent as well. A lot of guys I had a bit to do with at the Hurricanes around like um, Jonah Lowe, Danny Tawala, um, Devin Flanders. All these guys have such big futures and they're real classy players. So, mate, they've got a really good squad. Um, you add into a little bit of experience with guys like Gareth Evans and Brendan O'Connor. Mate, the balance of their squad is really, really strong. So um, just the way they play, um, well... A lot of the game is always um, won at the breakdown, and um, that might be a little bit cliche again, but um, if you aren't winning that breakdown, I mean, it, the difference between our breakdown work between Waikato and Southland was just massive, and um, you could see that in the scoreboard at the end of the day as well. So um, a lot of the game will be won at that breakdown again, especially with the guys like Gareth Evans and Brendan O'Connor getting over that ball. Um, they're hard guys to move if they get in that position, so we're going to have to be really quick at getting there and teaming those guys really hard so that we can get quick ball and then um, get it to our dangerous backs and our big midfielders who um, are causing a bit of havoc. What will you be doing during the week? Anything different or stick to your normal protocols? Bearing in mind that there's a different edge to this one, uh, do you you talk to your players about the importance of the shield? Do you figure they know that anyway? Yeah, it's a good question. I'll I'll leave that to uh, Andrew Goodman. He'll He'll decide all that sort of stuff. But um, I don't think the boys will need too much added motivation. I think it'll be more about um, keeping people clear and calm because, yeah, like you say, the occasion will will happen naturally and um, the the energy that the Ranfilly Shield provides will um, will be there. So I think it's more about controlling that emotion and um, making sure we're making smart decisions and um, not go, letting that emotion go overboard, I guess, because... Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's the coolest thing about the Ranfilly Shield is that you don't ever know when that next challenge is going to be. I mean, 2012 was the last one, and to think that it's been that long since we've had another challenge, um, I guess that's the beauty of um, the Ranfilly Shield. So, um, yeah, the boys will definitely be up for it. There's no doubt about that. James, how are you enjoying the coaching side of it? I know you love the playing of the game. How have you found the step to the other side? Yeah, I've I've really enjoyed it, and I've always I always thought I would because um, I was always enjoying that side of the game when I was playing. I was always the one who um, loved to review, preview, always in the sort of um, coaches' room trying to come up with ideas and stuff. So I always knew I um, would enjoy that side of the game. So um, I guess the thing that I didn't really know was how much work's actually involved because. <laughs> Um, as a player, once training's done, you're sort of you're sort of off home, you and you can sort of forget about it a little bit. But I guess that's when um, the work starts as a coach, reviewing the trainings, previewing teams, and it always feels like there's 
something to do. Like you can never, it feels like you can never quite do enough because there's always something to look at. So even when you've done what you need to, it always feels like you can have another look at something else just to make sure. So that's one thing that I've learned um, pretty quickly that just sort of how much time's involved with um, the whole coaching side of things. What's your particular area of focus? So when it goes wrong on, on the weekend, when it goes wrong, um, we can actually um, pinpoint you. <laughs> um, my main focuses are um, scrum attack, so what we're running off the scrum, scrum D and edge defence, so sort of like the backs. I'm working with Shane Christie, who's um, a really good defensive coach, and he really is really good around that forwards area, so I'm sort of helping him out with um, what I think the backs can do to um, shut off some of the attack of um, Hawks Bay or whoever we're playing. And then later in the week, I start looking at um, the opposition guys. So I'll be I'll be organising the non-23 guys to play as Hawks Bay and making sure that we're giving Tasman the patterns that I think Hawks Bay will be running and, um, yeah, being really clear on how they play so that um, Tasman get a good hit out on our last training day against the sort of fake Hawks Bay side. <laughs> Very good, mate. I'll tell you, um, I'll be the guy on the sideline uh, with the tissues, the box of tissues, so I've been handing them out regularly with coaches <laughs> coming past me. So uh, look for me, mate. I've, I cater well in that department. Uh, in the meantime, prepare well, train well, travel well. We look forward to seeing you up in the bay. Cheers, mate. I appreciate it. Hopefully I won't be needing those tissues, but, mate, I'll be coming straight <laughs> to you if, if it does go that way. No, mate, I'll be coming straight to you. Don't you worry. <laughs> <laughs> all the best man all the best James Marshall hey, there folks cheers. Uh, cheers, champion mate. yeah cha- champion bloke actually a real character and uh, a good all round uh, citizen likes uh, likes his sport likes a, a bet around it as well uh, 9.43 here on SENZ honestly the texts are just uh, coming in double eight double three remember uh, you can win that uh, package from uh, Temper just for the text of the week or te- text of the month that ten thousand uh, dollar package as well, and there's some candidates already on this Monday reviewing that All Black performance. We'll be back shortly with some of them. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, you're in safe hands. It's mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. The texts just keep flooding in. You certainly have opinions when it doesn't go well for the All Blacks. We snuck home last weekend and a very similar finish to the game. We got the better side of it this time around. Of course, we didn't, which has sparked uh, quite a lot of reaction, predictably, I think. I think also, says Chase from Waiuku, that uh, Kiri Ioane was uh, our six going into the South Africa test. However, uh, Blackadder now deserves a chance to be uh, the top six for the Northern Tour. Uh, the Fords were a disgrace on Saturday, says Matthew. What has Plumtree ever achieved? Foster should have the guts to sack him and offer Razor the position, so uh, a bit of hurt there. Uh, and that text from Matthew. Uh, hey, Smithy, for these last two matches, it's further solidified that Aaron Smith is not only the top nine in the world, but he is also the difference maker in this AB side. Put Smith's passing speed on that match, and the box line speed is somewhat neutralised. Weber was great, but TJ is far too slow now. And that showed when he came on. Another very short, sharp one. Two words for you. Nani Laumape. Nani Laumape. Uh, yeah, well, he's gone. Forget about him. Uh, Jordan says the Springboks clearly had forward dominance. The All Blacks were fortunate to get within two points. The Springboks did us a favour by highlighting our deficiencies. You learn more from a loss 
than a win. Whether we have the players to fix is another story. Uh, so yeah, he says the morning. Um, yeah, the morning guys. The morning guys um, were, were pretty soft on it. My understanding is uh, from some of these texts they they didn't think it was time to panic or to be too harsh on them. But hey, they are the All Blacks. They are the All Blacks, and it's our right. It's our right to express our disappointment and our theories behind it. It's in our DNA, as they say. Goose says it's all good saying we need a new 6 and a new 12, but who are they? Harvili is by far our best 12, but will never get over the advantage line when he's getting terrible ball. Uh, against top-level opposition, says Kevin Akeri, Yawani goes missing. Although he didn't name him, Grant Fox had admitted it as much as that last week. He felt, in cricket terms, he is a flat-track bully. Kiwis are way too tough on the All Blacks. We only lost by two points in a very good hard test. Could have gone either way. Typical knee-jerk reaction from the media. Stratty from the knacky. There you go, John. Diverse, diverse opinions all around. I absolutely love it. I love it. Um, and the All Blacks love it. They always say, you know, that they'd rather be talked about like this than not at all, Smithy. And it often takes a loss for everyone to get something off their chest. Um, one guy we haven't maybe talked a whole heap about, a little bit about, though, uh, Sam Whitelock. Um, man, he's a general uh, around that line-out, especially Smithy. To, is he the guy that we maybe miss the most not being there? I know Aaron Smith, a lot of people talk about him, but it seems to me maybe a little bit of leadership and especially um, his work in the air is just so good, Sam Whitelock. So that tight five, I think, was the, the big worry for us at the weekend, getting out-muscled at scrum time, losing our line-outs, and Asafa Omoa as the backup hooker probably didn't do himself any, any justice. I think we've also give when we look at the All Blacks and we, we start to pin, pick holes in the All Blacks, we, we tend to forget how good the opposition are from time to time. Springboks are a damn good side. They are big men. They are seriously big men. And when they get in the mood and they don't make mistakes, they're very tough to beat on any day of the week. We know that. I mean, that's why it is, as we say, the greatest rivalry of all in rugby. Everyone admits to that, and that was just another chapter in that rivalry. Um, you know, Wade says, just, uh, was it just me or did the box chasers deliberately overrun the clerk's box kicks to get in the eye line or create light contact on our defender before he left the ground? A couple of times they had players charging forward into that contact zone, looking back over their shoulders for the ball and not really looking to take, on the, take the ball on the fault. If it wasn't a deliberate tactic, it should be as it's very effective at putting the guy coming forward off. Mm. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's a lot in that. Uh, what was Bowden Barrett's thinking with a crossfield kick inside the 22 in the second half? Got beaten to the loose ball. Blackadder has uh, speed to be the opposition to the breakdown. Barrett played like he was still in Japan. Might have got faster ball from a halfback, but lacked any direction or plan. Mm, man, good stuff. 9.53 here on SENZ. Multi-time when we return. Voice of sport in New Zealand. <laughs> Nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. You got to know when to hold up. Know when to fold up. Smithy's multi. Know when to walk away. And know when to run. Bet live on your favourite sports. Download the TAB app today. Kenny, Kenny, Kenny. Well, we were close. St Helens beat to Leeds. Uh, well, pretty comfortably in the end. So that got up. Uh, that would have been a buck twenty-six. Manawa two beat Otago, comfortable to buck eighty-seven. There, Australia beat Argentina. I think they're always going to, but uh, not as much. But I, uh, as I really imagined, 
Uh, 13 plus was enough though, at a buck 53. The Rabbitohs to beat the Panthers. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. 793 went missing there. That would have been a great result for us. So here we go. Um, multi, first multi of the week. Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Tom Brady at the helm to beat his old team, the Patriots, today. That's a buck 33. I think that's pretty much a given. And then we move to the Major League uh, MLS, Major League Soccer. Seattle Sounders to beat Colorado, have a tip on that at 2.10. Uh, and Portland Timber to beat the Inter Miami Football Club at a buck 83. That return, first one for the week, will be $5.11. Uh, Smithy, when your discipline is poor and you can't win your set piece, you will lose most test matches. We are lucky to get as close as we did. Is it just me or are we suddenly very light in the hooking department? Reese from the Deedon says, Ash Dixon, anyone? Ash Dixon, anyone? Hmm? Really? Uh, yeah, and more text just flooding in. Having a crack at me in this, if I don't mind that. I'll read them all out. Don't worry about that. You, you send them, I'll read them. Whatever way you're looking at it, it's great. And we want it to continue. 8833 is the number. 10 o'clock here on SENZ. Time for an hourly update with Trudy. Day or night, summer or winter, he's the sound of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Well, cricket now in the T20 World Cup is closing in on everybody. It's not that far away at all. And departing for the UAE today uh, will be coach uh, Gary Stead uh, with a, a little bit of a posse there. Steady, good morning to you. Exactly how many hopping on the plane today? Yeah, morning, Smithy. Uh, we've got only the one player, Devin Conway, and there's about five or six support staff that are, that are heading over as well. So um, the rest are all over there, obviously, with the IPL that's on or um, that, are, that are there that came after that Pakistan tour and are, and are stayed in Dubai. Okay, so uh, you've had a bit of a, a break yourself, uh, a much-needed one. So all refreshed, all, all charged up, ready to go? Yeah, I think everyone's ready to go. I mean, it's exciting that we're going to another World Cup and um, it, it's great preparation. We've got a number of guys that are over there already that are that are preparing in the IPL. So, um, yeah, it, it, it's really exciting to get away again. It's exciting to be playing some, some cricket on the world stage and, and we're just really looking forward to it. There's been a lot of hurdles uh, getting to this uh, and obviously Pakistan was one of them that no one anticipated uh, because of the fact that um, we, we missed out on, on playing preparation time and, uh, you know, apart from, aside from the other uh, aspect of it, um, when you look to prepare, that's that makes it a bit difficult. Yeah, it does. Um, I mean, there's some unforeseen things that um, I guess didn't go as we anticipated and, and um, that's, that's really unfortunate. Um, but I guess the the good thing is that we have got a number of guys that are over there. They have that, a, a large number of our guys have had some game time. Um, it would be nice to see a little bit more. And as a coach, I think you always want to see that. But, um, yeah, look, looking forward to what's ahead of us. The, the Bangladesh and Pakistan tours still, I guess, provided some touring experience for a number of guys who you might expect may not get it in the past. But I think that'll be, I think that'll all go well for New Zealand in the long term. Are you anticipating any relationship issues with the Pakistanis? I mean, has there been any contact or anything um, on the back of uh, us having to leave there very quickly? Uh, definitely not with me anyway, no, any contact. But look, I, I mean, I, I think once we get over there and, and cricket starts again, then, then hopefully there are no issues at all. Um, it's unfortunate what happened. And look, we felt we feel for Pakistan cricket, we feel for the Pakistan fans as well, but um, also feel for our own players who, who missed out on that opportunity. 
some uh, someone sparked all, all that rubbish. So um, you, I'm I'm hoping, and I guess you are, that that was just a a one off. But uh, would there be extra security measures uh, around that particular game? Do you know? Well, being that it's an ICC event, there's normally extra security around. So yeah, I, I honestly don't know, but um, yeah, let's hope so. Okay, let's look at uh, the preparation uh, that you get once you're there. First of all, what are the COVID protocols for you and, and the squad that are uh, with you today, the coaching squad, etc., and Devon? Um, uh, what do you have to go through before you can actually join up with your squad? Yeah, so we fly, we'll fly in and we have uh, seven days of, of lockdown um, um, in a room. So just, just as I guess you do when you come back here to New Zealand for the 14 days. So we have seven and then people into the bubble now because the IPL guys are coming from their own secure bubble, uh, then they, they just have to have a negative test and then we can all, jo- all join up as one. Um, so that's the initial period. So in about a week from now, we'll all be out, we'll be able to train. Uh, and then the build-up, we, we play two matches, one versus England and one versus Australia, uh, which is which both fantastic to play two high-quality opposition teams as well. And there'll they'll be a good blowout before our first game versus Pakistan on the on the 26th. Well, you've got a number of players, around 10 players at the IPL. Uh, have, have you been able to keep uh, a watchful eye on them? And who's been impressing you, if you have? Yeah, I, I've been watching just about everything that I can. Um, some strange hours I've been living at the moment, Smithy, sort of getting up and watching the cricket. But it's been interesting because... Um, I mean, Ferguson was going very, very good, and then he's picked up this that small hamstring niggle. But hopefully, he's he's coming out the back end of that and should be back playing very soon. Um, it's, it's nice to see you. You got guys like Tim Southey who went over there late, who's actually picking up some game time again. And of course, to see Kane playing again is always good. Well, uh, you're flying today with uh, Devon Conway on board. Uh, he had uh, a broken bone in his hand during the hundred. How, how's his fitness? How much neck um, times have you been able to have? Yeah, he, he's he's been hitting balls for the last couple of weeks, so it's uh, that's encouraging. It, it took a little bit longer than we initially anticipated for it to knit back together. So the the reports coming from the UK at the time were that it would take sort of three weeks, but it was more like a six week period. So it's just taken a little bit longer, but we've been cautious with it, understanding that we have got time on our side still. So. We're still about three weeks away until our, our first match, but um, Dev's, Devin's he, he's tracking really nicely. You, you've had plenty of time to sit down and, and think about possible combinations. Um, uh, have you uh, got an 11 in mind at, at this stage? Would you, would you be close to your top 11, or does that depend on who you're up against, etc.? Oh, I think it'll be a, depend on who we're up against, but also the conditions we're in as well. So over there in the UAE, you've got three very different pitches. Um, it looks like Sharjah's been very low scoring um, to date, so it might favour the, uh, the extra spinner or the extra all-rounder potentially playing um, to balance the team up. And then uh, Abu Dhabi at the other end of it looked like a bit of dew came in the other night and you had 190 being chased down. So you've, you've got some very, very different sort of scores. And I think we will adapt. We've got a 15 that we think are adaptable. Um, and I think we, we proved that last year when we played Australia that we were prepared to tinker and make some changes if we felt it was the best thing. You've got um, a specialist wicketkeeper in Tim Seifert in the group, but you've got a couple of in Glenn Phillips, Stephen Conway, who can do the job if need be to, for the balance of your side. So is that one of your pivotal type positions in terms of your balance? Yeah, that is definitely one that we would consider. I mean, we still see Tim as the, as the number one keeper over there. Um, Devin's a little bit more of a stopper, to be fair, and, and 
I'm a little bit reluctant to put Glenn Phillips in as, as keeping, being that he's so dynamic in the field. And, and I mean, you don't often say it, but but he is one guy that genuinely can change the game through through his movements in the field as well. So a little bit reluctant to, to put him in, in that position. Well, it, and particularly, I guess, uh, if you play on a spinning-type surface, you, you need that guy up to the stumps to be the best one you've got, don't you? Yeah, I think so. Um, I mean, the the numbers tell me that, that, that when you play a T20 game, the, the keeper doesn't catch that many from coming straight through from the bowler. But, when, as you say, and you're right when you say it, when it's from a spinner and he's beating the bat, you want to make sure he does catch it and takes the, takes the bails off. Okay, let's uh, look at uh, your group, India, Pakistan, Afghanistan. That says a lot of spin to me. Yeah, absolutely. And then I, I think likelihood that Bangladesh will be another one and, and then potentially one of either Ireland or Netherlands. So they still have to go through that qualifying tournament that's immediately prior to the World Cup. Um, yes, I think there will be a lot of spin, but and that that's. Uh, I think we also have players within our group, though, that are pretty competent around playing spin. Um, I think, look at the captain himself. He, he, he's one of the very, very best in the world at it, and hopefully he can back good periods of time for us. Uh, Gary, just looking at uh, those guys who came home prematurely from uh, Bangladesh and, of course, nothing really in, in Pakistan, uh, what did you learn from that? And, and who, who do you think grew during those particular uh, matches you were able to get under your belt? Yeah, it's tough when you... Um when you, when you see the series, and it's so low scoring as well, but we tried to prepare our guys as best we can when, we, when we're back here in New Zealand, but I think sometimes until you actually go there and you understand the heat, the humidity, and then actually how difficult those wickets are, um, you get that first-hand experience, and hopefully all the guys that have been over there then come back now and can share those experiences, and, and it makes us a better system overall when we have guys that understand that, but um, I think I think Finn Allen in, in a couple of games that he played did show that he's got some a real point of difference with the power that he offers, and that's encouraging. I, I think for New Zealand in the future. I mean, Finn's only 21, young player with with a lot of promise. Um, I, it, it was a tough tour, wasn't it, for the for the seamers over there? Um, I thought Jacob Duffy stood up and, and did a really good job, and and I guess being that it was spin dominated, you saw the I think. The continued emergence of Ajaz Patel as, as being a fantastic spinner, but then also Rachin Ravinder and Cole McConkie, who both had their moments as well in, in terms of being new on the scene of international cricket and, and encouraging the results that they had. In terms of, um, we shouldn't neglect the seam side of things because we're very strong in the seam and quicker bowling areas at the moment. Uh, you've got um, 16th man Adam Milne over there. I mean, that. To me, that, that's one of the, the good stories. I mean, here's a bloke that uh, has injury problems. It looks like he's changed his body shape. He's stronger. He's more versatile. He seems to be learning all the time. Um, so to have a guy like that on the fringe must, uh, you know, and you talk about Lockie being a little bit marginal, but you, you must you must have a lot of faith in that pace attack all of a sudden. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I think the guys have learned and they have adapted well. And um, Adam Adams, I guess, great that he's there, unlucky that he's perhaps not in the 15 as well, and that's a position that's, I guess, comforting to be in, that you can say there's guys like Adam Milne who, who actually don't make the 15, and that's, uh, I think that shows the strength of where we're at right now, um, and that's exciting for New Zealand cricket, because I think all it's going to do is, is create more internal competition for us over a long period of time. 
So overall, uh, Steve, if you look at this form of the game, this is probably the one at international level that, you know, you've reached the World Cup final in, in one-day cricket. You, you are the world champions in test cricket. This is the one, perhaps, maybe the weakest of the three suits. Where do we need to look to improve overall? Yeah, um, I mean, it, it, I think it's easy to say that because we haven't perhaps made a final, but I think we've been an improved uh, T20 side in the last 18 months or so, and we've won some, some really good series against high opposition teams at home. Um, it's also the one where you know that one person can go and dominate a game and change a game as well. And, and I guess when you when you look at the guys like Williamson and Conway in the batting order and then Chuck and Phillips and guys like Nisham, Guptill, I mean, we, we have enough match winners there that I think we can score enough runs. Um, so, yeah... I, if it's going to be spinning wickets, it comes down to fine margins and just using your brain well. And hopefully we've got enough uh, experience under our belt in tight situations in the, in, the, in the last couple of years that it does give us that confidence going into those matches. Uh, well, Steady, thanks very much for your time this morning. I know you're about to hop on a plane and uh, you've got that long journey, a, a bit of quarantine. So uh, travel safe, go well, and uh, good luck over there. Everyone's, uh, we've been starved of uh, some cricket, so we're, we're really looking forward to it, man. Thanks, Billy. Look, look forward to all the uh, the continued support. Ten fifteen here on SENZ. Yep, and that's uh, Gary Stead and his band of uh, merry coaches head off uh, a little later out of Auckland, uh, and then of course uh, he's out of Christchurch uh, now, and then out of Auckland, and then of course uh, off to the UAE for that limited period of uh, of quarantine, and then uh, business, business, the business of trying to capture the T Twenty World Cup. And I think they've probably got as good a balance in their team as we've probably ever had in chasing that target. Uh, it looks as if we've got pretty much all bases covered. Would have been nice, I would have thought, to have a, a Colin de Gronholm in form and the possibility of him back, being there with power hitters. I think you need power hitters every now and then in that game, but uh, that wasn't to be. So Conway were getting fit and back uh, out in the middle is, is crucial to the whole deal. And Martin Gupto, of course, at the top of the order. Good starts. Good starts are the key. Uh, to winning World Cups and, and then giving your bowlers something to really defend. And we've got a good lineup when it comes to doing that. So I look forward to it. It's not that far away at all. Um, and it'll be on uh, Sky Sport. Looking forward to the coverage of that as well. Um, we've got a panel coming up very shortly. We've got uh, Honey Hirami Smiler um, and Jamie Wall, uh, both of whom are seriously into their rugby and uh, Honey in particular, of course, into her league as well. So she had a a massive weekend, and the texts just keep uh, rolling in. Uh, we've got one uh, I think Louis perhaps can answer too. Um, John, hey, Smithy, can you explain the punters club that we can enter on Saturday mornings? Uh, thanks, JC. So yes, um, maybe uh, Louis can explain that. Yeah. Oh, no, I've got the guy right next to me who actually produces that show, Brian Rarity, so he can uh, explain that right now, Smithy. Okay, Brian, that'd be good if you could for JC's point of view. Yeah, so it's uh, it's quite quite easy, really. So basically... Um, you listen to the mail run, Louis Herman Watt and uh, McGurran on Saturday, and they give you a code word. You then uh, text that code word into the mail run, and they uh, choose 20 people out of all those who text. Those 20 people then go into our TAB Punters Club, which goes on the good oil, which starts at 1, finishes at 6. Now, TAB give us $1,000 to start with, okay? And the boys punt all afternoon, and anything that's left over, 
more than that thousand dollars at the end of the day goes out to all those twenty punters. So if we make say uh, we if we end up with two thousand in the kitty, the TAB take their thousand back, and then we then get a thousand for our uh, punters club. So that's that's the basics of it, Smithy. Okay, so Saturday morning is the time to get involved there, uh, and uh, text that code word as Brian has pointed out. Thanks for that, Brian. Uh, we'll be back with the panel very shortly here on SENZ. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, you're in safe hands. It's Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Big talk, big opinions, the panel. It's 10.23 here on SENZ and the panel today consists of Honey Helene Smiler uh, and Jamie Wall. Good all-rounders. Got an eye on a lot of things over the weekend. Uh, honey, first of all, we don't talk about all black losses very often. What did you make of the whole deal? Oh, yeah, a bit of a seesaw, to be honest. But um, I think overall, I was, I was quite impressed. Uh, obviously, not with the results, but um, if I was to pick a couple of individuals, I mean, Geordie Barrett, uh, for me, was an absolute standout. Um, and, you know, unfortunately, he was able to bring that home for us like he did uh, that first match against South Africa. But also just the leadership of Adi Savia and the, the humbleness that he showed in his uh, post-match speech. I thought it was a, a post-match speech and, and even his post was, was a real, uh, real, I suppose, credit to his leadership. So where did it get, where did it get away from us, honey? Well, again, I think we got stuck into a bit of that kicking to, to and fro um, you know, there were some errors around the breakdown there, and and then just that last look up, you know, and it, and it, and you wanted to kind of identify the one player that was offside, but when you looked at it, it was sort of quite a few. There was sort of four or five of them. I actually thought they retreated before coming up, so whether I want to throw blame at the ref or not is is in question. But yeah, for me, uh, yeah, a few areas I'll work on, but I think you know it was just such a great, great test match, you know, and just. I love it when it gets down to those dying minutes and just keeps you engaged for that full 80, 82, 81 minutes as it goes to. It certainly did that. Uh, Jamie, when we looked at the first test performance from the Springboks, did we get sucked in a wee bit? I mean, did their tactics surprise you the second time around? Uh, yeah, kia ora, Smithy, kia ora, honey. Um, yeah, I, I, think, I think so. Uh, and I think that it shouldn't have because if... Obviously, the Springboks were trying out these tactics this whole time, and then last week they they they, they were obviously going to hit a wall um, and it not work against the All Blacks. And so there was going to come a time uh, where they were just going to kind of chuck it out and, and try something new, and it was always kind of going to be this game. Uh, so I, I feel like the All Black coaching staff perhaps should probably have a good look at themselves and examine why they didn't think that the that the All Blacks, uh, the Springboks rather, would have would have come out and chanced their arm a little bit more. And it is it is actually pretty ironic, I have to say, if you look at that first five or uh, eight minutes um, that the Springboks scored that incredible try that uh, off that pass by the arm to uh, that ended up with Damien Delende, um, which is just one of the best bits of skill you'll see, or yeah, bits of attacking skill. And then the All Blacks' response was off uh, a, a kickoff that got dropped and then a bomb out to the corner, which is exactly what we've been criticising the, the Springboks for doing um, all season. So, you know, a little bit of irony there, but I have to echo what uh, Honey uh, just said, that it was an awesome test match. You know, it was, it was definitely worth watching. I'd, I'd much rather watch that than what happened um, last week. Obviously, I'd, r- I'd rather the All Blacks 
had won, but uh, it, was, it was a really good advertisement for a game that's uh, had a few detractors come at it and point out um, that it, it's been a little bit boring uh, lately when the Springboks have been playing. <laughs> Honey, what are we, what are we, uh, where are we with our, uh, our starting 15? Obviously, uh, Aaron Smith, uh, we're missing him. Uh, who wouldn't? Uh, so have, have, we, have we settled on our halfback yet, or are we just going to sort of rotate them and keep rotating players? Because I think uh, we're ready to have our best 15 line-up, aren't we? Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think we've got, gone through the rotation quite well now, and now we start to pick you know, the most outstanding. I, th- I thought um, it was a big test for Brad. You know? I thought he was you know, quite quick to the rack and his distribution was well, but I think maybe you know, the influence of Aaron is really needed there in terms of the really just guiding the team around. I thought David Harvilli, um really, I suppose, is starting to find his match. I think he, he struggled a little bit under pressure in, in both these Springbok matches. And so um, whether there's a rejig in that midfield again uh, beats the difference. Again, Riku Ioani, he, to me, he's a, our mount starter, where, whether it's in the centre or the wing. Um, I think he's just been outstanding, outstanding the whole championship with him. Jamie, the, the other thing, uh, and, and Grant Nisbet brought it up this morning as well, is, is the leadership, and I agree with, uh, with Honey that Adi Savia rolls his sleeves up every week and he says, come and follow me. Not, not every player can follow him. Uh, we, I think you know, we've had, what, four captains this year? Uh, we, need, we need Sam Kane back and we need a single captain, a single leader out there. Uh, yeah, I, I agree to a point. Um, the, the fact is that while you can be critical of the All Blacks tactics, um, the selections, uh, I think a lot has been taken out of uh, Foster and Grant Fox's hands uh, in terms of who they can select. And that includes the captain because, of course, Whitelock and Smith uh, are out and Artie is kind of the only guy left who is definitely going to be on the field for, for 80 minutes. I mean, the other option was Cody Taylor uh, and he would have made a great captain, but of course he would get subbed off sometime in the second half. So Artie would eventually be captain in that position anyway. Um, I think that, that you're definitely right. Like he's a guy who can definitely who who, who leads uh, by example. Um, but if there is going to be some criticism, it's probably around the way that he uh, hasn't really found a way to um, influence the referees um, in the same way that, say, a Richie McCaw or a Karen Reid uh, could try and do. Um, and this is a very nuanced uh, conversation. It's probably a bit too big for the scope of this this slot um, because I think if there's anyone out here out there listening who's Maori or Pacifica who uh, has to try and communicate with someone else, uh, with someone who's not in a position of power, then they'll probably know what I'm what I'm getting at here. Um, but you know, at the same time, like he had one of the best games that he. Uh, that he's played, so you know it's up to the rest of those guys to really follow his example. And really, you don't need someone to tell you not to be. Uh, sorry, you don't need someone to tell you to be onside uh, when there's when there's one point in the game. Like those guys should have done that uh, without having to be told. Okay, good thoughts there from uh, Jamie and from Honey. We'll be back very shortly after the news to talk about uh, the NRL. Of course, uh, a couple of issues around league, and of course, uh, one really quite special, romantic in a way, comeback. The New Zealand Rugby League yesterday. It's 10.30. CNZ. Big talk, big opinions, the panel. Honey, hello, me smiler with us this morning along with uh, Jamie Wall. Uh, honey, 
Um, before we get to the NRL Grand Final, um, New Zealand Rugby League competitions, men and women's, began uh, again over the weekend, and there was a really special comeback, wasn't there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was lucky enough to call the um, the Waikato Mana men's game against Wellington uh, Orcas, and the young Tamari Martin is back out on the field and playing extremely well. He put out such a great performance, really led his team to quite a dominant victory. Over the Wellington Orcas, he's got his uh, two brothers in the team, and, and within that team as well, they've got uh, another trio of brothers and, and, a, and a duo of brothers. So it was a real family uh, family feel within the Waikato team that went out to open uh, that premiership round with a, with a good win over Wellington. And then the women's uh, competition, premiership competition, uh, also kicked off. As well, and that, that was quite a good competition. Obviously, the Auckland teams aren't being included in these premierships as uh, yet, but hopefully, there's uh, room for them to, to join a bit later. But uh, the Upper Central Stallion women had a good win against Wellington Orcas, and the Canterbury came out and uh, had a good one against the Mid Central Vipers. So, yeah, it was a really good game. Uh, really, a couple of, couple of good rounds for the Premiership Sky Sports uh, Rugby League. So, so, honey, can you just, um, for those people that, that perhaps are not in the know. Tell us a, a, a little bit more about uh, that uh, Taimari Martin story. Yeah, well, obviously he had to return uh, back from the NRL. He was deemed uh, sort of a career-ending in- injury with a, a bleed on the on the brain after um, he'd con- he knock. And, um, yeah, it was quite, quite a tough time for him. He's probably been back in New Zealand for a couple of years now. Um, kicked off playing a little bit of uh, rugby teams last year in the Indigenous tournament in Cambridge and then sort of jumped on and started to play for his local team, Tohara, out here in the in the King Country. And, um, yeah, then he's gone through and, and made the Waikato team and, he, and he's in great form. I mean, he just made everything look so easy and you could see the calibre of the player in amongst this uh, premiership competition. Um, Jamie, I take it you uh, cast your eye at some stage over the NRL Grand Final. Uh, did it live up to expectations? I did. I did. It was a very sleepy eye, though, because obviously I had a pretty late one the night before um, with that uh, All Black Springboks game. But, um, yeah, it definitely uh, kept me awake because it was a great game. Um, and I think the Penrith obviously really deserved their win. It came down to a bit of a thrilling thrilling finish there uh, and um, just real real shame for Adam Reynolds there missing that last um, conversion that would have forced the game to extra time um, but yeah it's was, it was awesome also by the NRL to actually get the match happening the, the, the way that the real, real triumph of um, the organisation to keep the competition going and still be, on, be able to put on a real showpiece event uh, in, at Suncorp Stadium there which is a fantastic venue so, you know, well done not to qu- all those people for, for making that happen. Not, not quite, Jamie, the farewell that uh, Benji Marshall was looking for, but uh, what do you think uh, is, could possibly on the, be on the cards for him now? The Rabbitohs are done and dusted, so a return to the Warriors or a retirement? Or how do you think it'll pan out for him now? Well, I think no matter what he does, I don't think anyone's going to begrudge him. The guy's had such an amazing uh, career uh, that goes back... You know, way way back to winning a premiership in in 2005, um, and he's got just such an interesting story uh, that you know it's it's had its ups and downs. Um, he hasn't always had it his own way, but he's to to have come back at this age and to be playing in a team 
you know, coached by Wayne Bennett makes a grand final. I mean, he's he's earned the right to kind of do whatever he wants, is uh, the way I see it. Um, heard some rumors last week that he he, he's, he wants to keep going, um, but uh, honestly, uh, if, if he decides to hang it up, um, he 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 will be honoured as as one of the greatest players of all time um, in both New Zealand and Australia, uh, and, and rightfully as well. Uh, honey, what did what did you make of the? Did it live up to expectations for you? And how about how about the Clearies? Dad wins as coach in his three hundred and seventieth game in charge, and uh, number one son wins uh, the Clive Churchill medal to boot. What did the, what a night out for them? Yeah, it was. I mean, it was it was quite, I suppose, emotional to watch the celebrations afterwards and and see them embrace each other, and it, it was just such a a fairy tale end to to the Cleary family. Story, I suppose, and, and it will go on, you know, like, this, this is just, a, you know, their first premiership together, I mean, I'm, I'm betting they can get a few more together, it's, it's, it's awesome to see that father-son relationship, um, I was really impressed with the Panthers, I thought right, right from the outgo, they come out with uh, just so much more belief and and um, and just dominance throughout it, I mean, it, it was similar to the All Blacks test in that it, it did get into a bit of an armory, so I was, I was gutted for the likes of Cody Taylor and Adam Reynolds, um, you know, it would have been a fairy tale uh, end for them as as well because they've you know they've they're such uh, such amazing players and obviously with um, Reynolds heading off to the Broncos, it would have been such a great farewell for him. Um, but yeah, again, I, 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 my heart was with Benji. I, I was backing the Raiders solely for that uh, for that. But I'd love to see Benji just you know if the opportunity was there to come as our 14th man for the Warriors in his last year or, or even too. I mean. You know, he's, he's 35, 34. He's got a few more years in him. He's, he's looking pretty young, and I think he does really well coming on as that impact player and just settling the team. And, and as a lot of the rest of those players have said, he's just so good to have in that environment. I also think he's he's got, uh, you know, a pretty good future in front of him uh, if he decides to go down that coaching realm. He's, he's been involved uh, off and on in parts with the Kiwi fans. Um, and, and he just does great, you know. It's, it's what he, it's the vision that he has in terms of his coaching and, and that individual skill set that he can offer um, from a coaching point of view. I think you know, he's, he's got years to offer the game. Honey, one of the things that disappointed me over, over the weekend, I, I'm not sure whether, whether it could have been avoided or not, was the withdrawal of all those women uh, rugby players out of the Farah Palmer Cup. Uh, I know there were a couple of good games, you know. That, resulted from it but I think it's a shame that they couldn't be there those those Black Fern players at the at the really at the hard end of the season because it's been so little rugby so little game time uh, it disappointed me to see them not there Yeah I 100% agree with you Smithy I thought that those and a lot of those players spoke quite openly about wanting to play and, and carry on that season because they need the match fitness I mean we literally came out of lockdown some got one, maybe two games, others got none, and then they're going into a test match, but they don't play for another four or five weeks. I mean, that's, that's a long time away, and you can never beat that match fitness. For me, I was obviously personally disappointed because it meant nine of our players out of the Waikato women's FPC team, but then for the girls to come back and still secure that spot um, has been pretty impressive. I know that um, I've got a couple of the players living with me, and they've actually shifted them out of Hamilton last night, and base them up in Cambridge so that uh, they can still catch that flight and uh, play that game, which is which is a great move from Waikato Rugby, because those uh, those girls have worked really hard and they deserve to be in that final. Uh, that's going to happen this weekend. 
Uh, Jamie, just uh, just finally from you, uh, Geordie Barrett, fifteen. Is he is he in concrete there now, or do we try again with Damien? Uh, well, I, I think he's definitely got to be on the field because he's the goal kicker, um, and he has definitely shown in the last few tests that you know he's <clears throat> he is the form fullback at the moment. And I think something that maybe some people have forgotten uh, is that um, if it wasn't for NZ Rugby's uh, legal team, um, he wouldn't have played those games. Um, so whoever got him off that red card uh, probably deserves a, a decent pat on the back because um, he's, he's definitely shown that he's one of the most um, uh, informed players in the world uh, right now. And uh, something that Honey said right back at the start was uh, the best players in the field on the weekend were Jordi uh, and Artie. Um, both, I'd like to add, are from the Hurricanes. So perhaps there's uh, something that um, the selectors can look at there. There's, we need some more Hurricanes in there. Uh, because uh, at the moment, I mean, you know, the Hurricanes themselves might not be doing so well, but um, they're definitely, definitely producing some informal blacks. I'll tell you that. Oh, we'll take, I'll, I'm sure they'll take that to heart. I'm sure they'll really take that to heart on your behalf, Jamie. Thank you so much for your input this morning, and to you too, honey, as well, uh, particularly where you are uh, are at the moment. You stay away from that virus, eh? Stay away. Yeah, <laughs> we'll do, we'll do, Smithy. Thank you. Yeah, we'll catch you at a game soon. Thank you very much, uh, honey. Thank you, Jamie, as well. So that was the panel this morning. Another one at the same time uh, tomorrow morning. Um, also, I understand I was reading this morning, uh, John, where uh, SBW's book is uh, about to come out. It's called uh, You Can't Stop the Sun From Shining. So I'm uh, looking forward to reaction to that. And um, I understand that Alan Duff might have written the book. And of course, uh, once we're, from Once We're Warriors fame. So maybe we can expect the movie as well. Yeah, that's um. What what was the excerpt to come out of it that he almost died because he was so wasted on on drugs and um, alcohol earlier on in his career, and then found religion and yeah, turned his whole life around. So could be quite an interesting read. Alan Duff sure knows how to write a, a compelling book, that's for sure. Sure does, uh, and you know how to write text as well, folks. Uh, particularly about the All Blacks, and we'll read more of those out very shortly. Voice of Sport in New Zealand. <laughs> Nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Don't forget, uh, you could be in to win if you're text of the week. You could win a temper pillow worth uh, 299 bucks. They are gold. They are gold, apparently. Just ask Baz. Uh, and the best, best text of the month will win a temper queen package, including a mattress, uh, an adjustable base, and two temper pillows valued at around 10,000 bucks. And there are some candidates coming in this morning, I can promise you. Uh, that texter was correct, says uh, Matthew. The Bok tactic of trying to get in, um, in, in the way of, of, of players catching high balls, etc., running past their eye line, uh, he said it, it did get in the way of everything and created clutter and distraction to combat that we needed to pick and go. What do we do? Nothing except more of the same. So no plan B, no ideas, poor leadership. Outplayed outsmarted, outcoached. These are common phrases that have been repeated by many teams that have played against the All Blacks over the years, but over the past two to three, there have been several games these phrases can be used against the All Blacks rather than for them. If we want to be the best, we need new ideas, new game plans, new tactics. Sticking to what has worked in the past won't necessarily work in the future. Excellent text that there. Uh, Smithy, uh, this is PJ from Tamuka, a regular texter for us. Um, I love the All Black Test, a great contest, and we need to recognise that it was 
the world champs that we were up against. It wasn't our best work, and Akira was missing. But uh, one area that concerned me was how many times Anton received the ball on the wing. I've watched it several times in three breaks, and Anton received the pass from Rico. If it had been the other way around with Rico's pace, try time, but Anton doesn't have that pace. Did Rico forget what position he was playing in this week? Uh, the man who called for Plumtree to go, uh, give that man a $50 tab credit. He was bang on. So uh, plenty, plenty of, of expression there uh, from people. Zane, I always uh, like to read Zane's text because uh, he's a student of sport all round, but unfortunately he said the run we had under Hanson seems to have given Kiwis an unrealistic sense of grandeur. We always knew that run was going to come to an end and we would come, come back to reality and that re- reality is we are a very good team but we will lose the odd test. South Africa is also a very good team so it's unrealistic to think they won't push us most games and also win a fair percentage. History has shown that to be the case. Time for Kiwis to give our opposition a little more uh, respect rather than just bad-mouthing our team when we lose the odd game. More texts to come uh, after 11 o'clock, uh, but prior to that, Louis Herman Watt uh, and our visit to the TAB. It's Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. The Love Racing.NZ update. Your home for everything thoroughbred racing. Visit loveracing.nz, racing's biggest fan. Yep, loveracing.nz, that's where you find all the information you need. Otherwise, you can listen to Louis Herman Watt every day around this uh, Herman Watt every time, uh, every day around this time. Louis, what was your impressions of racing over the weekend? What grabbed you the best? I loved it, Smithy. I absolutely loved the weekend of racing. Um, Rickerton and Hastings played the fairest the tracks have played in a long time around these parts. They were just good, bouncy tracks. Um, you want to be up around the pace, but you could win from back if you were good enough. We just saw a bunch of really good horses go around. Did you get involved in the Tony Pike fill-up? He came on the mail run on Saturday morning. You could just hear it, and you could just hear it in his voice. You could hear a spring in his step, and he told us that there you go and Field of Gold would win, and then the others were all really good chances. I mean, he didn't tell us five of them were going to win, but I think he had a fair idea. And what we saw at a field of gold is puts himself favourite for the 2000 guineas. He's the half-brother of Sherwood Forest, and he's a stunning-looking horse, big chestnut, and he's got he's got scope to get to the mile. And I think Pikey is sitting here quietly confident with his, um, you know, his barn heading into the spring. So then across the ditch, of course, we had, um, again, just another superb day of racing culminating in Group one glory for Waikato Stud actually. Waikato Stud and Tavachi got their first group one winner in the uh, the flight stakes. Um, no compromise, couldn't quite get the job done. Montefilia won the Metrop, and in the Epson Private Eye beat out a very brave tissue. It was just it was sensational racing. And uh, is Alicia Collett? Has she relocated? Did I did I read or did I hear at the weekend? Um, Sam Collett's going to Brisbane. Um, yeah, I think, Alicia, sure I think Alicia might have uh, relocated uh, um, to Melbourne, I think, for the big spring carnival. I, I've got a sneaking feeling about that, but um, I'll, I'll, I'll confirm that and come, um, come back to you uh, later. Uh, did, you, did you get everything out of Callsign Mav that you thought you'd get? Yeah, yeah, no, no, and you're just triggering me. You're right. I think she's moving. I think she's gone to Randwick for the because she can ride light. Oh, right. I think it's. A, I think I read that, but yeah, so she's riding. Actually, young Bayless, he got the the Group One double as well, um, and he was loving it. 
Um, everything I need is out of cool side, man. Yeah, he's the best weight for age horse in New Zealand now. Avontage is retired. Um, yeah, he's a star horse, really smithy. I know we talked this morning about the Cox Plate, and I know that's their plan. And I understand John Barry wants to knock it off, and I understand the prize money side of it. But I also understand that Zaki's a freak. And um, mm. I don't think I'm going to upset John Barry's opinion by saying that Coulson Mayer probably won't win the Cox Plate. Of course he can. Of course anyone can win a race, but it's a big task to do. Could he have cleaned up the Triple Crown here? Yeah, comfortably he would have started a, a short fate price favourite again, but Prix de Fer runs on beautifully and should come back to the last day and be a great one to follow. Okay, Louis, thanks very much for your input this morning. I hope you get uh, some good news this afternoon in terms of Lockdown, maybe you can visit the Paddington. This is Mornings with Ian Smith. Apaluai back, Burden's into a hole, and he's into the in goal area for a try. Reynolds to the line, Walker sends through, goes further, still going, he'll go all the way. Walker scores for Souths. Kicking it through the corner. Oh, it no! is an intercept for Crichton. Crichton, he's away. Is he away with the Premiership? Stephen Crichton scores. A try now in three finals. Yeah, it was just the wrong pass. They actually had Gagai in the hole and didn't need to throw it to the winger. And they level. Walker across Gagai. Here's the try! South Sydney's try scoring freak Alex Johnston gets the try near the touchline. The kid from Redfern, it's coming back. No, not enough. It's with Totola. Is he thinking two point field goal? Perhaps. From outside the 40, the field goal is worth two, and Reynolds hits it, but it's, well, it's short, but it's bounced over. And that'll be it. That is the ball game. Just some of the highlights from uh, that epic NRL grand final. Of course, the voice you heard there was uh, Ray Warren, uh, but we prefer to hear the voice of Andrew Voss, our brother from SEN, Sydney Breakfast host, of course, and Fox League uh, caller, uh, Vossy. Uh, good morning to you, mate. Uh, 14-12 to the Panthers. Um, uh, did it live up to everything from your point of view? Yeah, good morning, Smithy. Good morning, listeners. Yeah, look, I, I do. I, I really do. It's it's quite extraordinary. Um, uh, two years of effort, basically. I mean, you know, Penrith last year, outstanding season, didn't get the job done grand final. They did actually win as many games as the minor premiers this year, um, Melbourne. So, you know, that's an outstanding season again it would have been pretty hollow to go through you know, 24 months of excellence and all the disruption and all of that thrown in and have no trophy to show for it. So in that big picture, very much deserved. And the game itself, um, incredibly tense. You know, South Sydney couldn't get their noses in front at any stage, but, but stayed in the game. You know, they had to scramble. They were under pressure the whole time. The Penrith kicking game was absolutely on point all night. I mean, every kick from Penrith put South Sydney under pressure. And they were under pressure all night, yet, you know, but for a, you know, sideline conversion, we could have been headed for Golden Point in the grand final. No, I thought, look, it, it's not, it's not a classic in the context of um, end to end, Smithy, you know, the, you know, mm. the, the scoreline to and throwing, but the tension is right up there. I mean, it's a 10 out of 10 for tension and keeping you watching, not knowing what was going to happen next. 
Well, he went to the ground, uh, Ivan Cleary, having uh, the experience of losing two grand finals before. Um, and then all of a sudden, he, he gets he gets what he wants, and he gets his son uh, through the Clive Churchill medal as well. That is a fairy tale day in their family. Oh, yeah. What about it? The former Warriors ball boy is the Clive Churchill medal winner. Um, Ivan Cleary, 370 games as an NRL coach. But he said in the press conference, it's actually... 45 years in waiting, you know, his time as a player mm. and then as a coach. He's been trying to win a grand final all that time. So it's it's magnificent reward. I mean, the, the head coach is not the only one of the team. I mean, there, there's got to be some porters for Cameron Serraldo. Now, Cameron Serraldo is the assistant at Penrith who looks after the defence. What about the defence of Penrith through this final series? In a year we've had all these blowout score lines, um, Penrith only conceded six tries in the final series. You know, that's... That's pretty outstanding. They played all four weeks and only conceded the six tries. The two against South in week one, the one against Parramatta week two, the one against Melbourne in week three, and you know those two games of sudden death, and then last night at the grand final, another two tries. Yes, they only scored seven of their own, but let the record show that even with the tweakings to the rules and the blowout score lines for the really good sides, when it comes to the crunch, defence wins, and Ivan Cleary, I'm sure would be standing up level with Cameron Serraldo and acknowledging that has been a, a, a group effort in getting the Panthers' defence right because it was outstanding when it mattered most. Vossi, one of the oldest sayings in sport is, you know, you've got to know how to lose a final before you win one. Yeah. Um, the, the value now of uh, missing out last time around to those players that have experienced, uh, uh, you know, uh, the disappointment of losing a grand final on the big occasion, a big factor... Well, I think it was. I mean, I'll, I'll bow to the words of, um, you know, an immortal in Andrew Johns, who's in commentary last night, said that, you know, Panthers had quite obviously learnt from their start to last year's grand final and, and were just doing things at a better pace and how they went about their work. So they learnt from that. Now, that, that experience doesn't necessarily mean you're going to win, but it's certainly got to be a help. And, and, you know, South Sydney, there will be young players there that experience their first grand final. I mean... Uh, for, for, um, for, for people like Cameron Murray, for, for Damian Cook and, and others. I mean, they've achieved a lot in their career, but they haven't played a grand final. So they're going to be better for that experience, you'd have to think. They won't have Wayne Bennett at the helm when they go next time around. And for, for Penrith, well, there's a few players leaving, the likes of um, Burton and, and, and Capewell. But now that they have won the title, the belief they have got out of this last month, and, and some of them playing busted too, Smithy. I mean... Ivan Cleary says he woke up at 2 o'clock in the morning yesterday. He woke up almost in cold sweat, thinking, I've got five players here who mightn't last the first 10 minutes. So, you know, that's, that's how bad the injury crisis was for the Panthers. Yet they got through. Well, to get the confidence out of that, it's more than just the win. It's the, it's the manner of victory and the adversity. Um, they're going to go in the next year. Who's to say they won't be at the pointy end of the season again next year? Mm-hmm. Interesting. Uh, the 66-minute, uh, the intercept try. Uh, from the young 21-year-old Stephen Crichton. Uh, was that the moment in the match for you? Oh, well, yeah. Look, there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a few moments. Um, you know, if you break down the scoring of the first run in Campbell Graham, it was just one bad decision in defence. There was no overlap there, but Campbell Graham panicked and rushed in, even though they were man-for-man marking, and Burton took the hole. But, yes, I actually had Brett Kamali on my show this morning, my breakfast show in Sydney. Now, Brett famously threw a pass in state of origin 
all those years ago, and Matt Bowen, this was in Golden Point, and Queensland raced away with a victory. Would you believe it was almost on the same blade of grass? I mean, it's like there must be a Bermuda Triangle up there, and would you believe Rick Camorley was in commentary last night on SEN in Australia and has to watch that moment, and knowing he's been there and done that, you know, not, not the greatest moment in his career, but he said, you know, you, you, you're trying to force the issue. There's also a little bit of fatigue in it, your decision-making. Would you throw the pass better 99 times out of 100? Yes, you would, but at the key moment, this can happen. Um, well, quite obviously, in, in black and white, it's, it's a massive moment, and, and by all means, the, the turning point of the game. But I would like to think that, you know, the game was so tight and so well fought and, and contested that I think Wayne Bennett's words really have to ring true with the South players. You have regrets and disappointments all through your life. But there's no regrets about the grand final last night. There's only disappointments. So they can't regret how things unfolded. They've done so well to get there, but it is very disappointing. They will have to handle the disappointment and come back bigger and stronger. Last game for Adam Reynolds for the Rabbitohs, the little general. Uh, shame that uh, for him, uh, missing the, the two-point field goal it will be one of his last memories at the club. Yeah, look, it, it, that's going to take a little while to get over. The, the sideline conversion even more so. Y- yes, Adam was the first player who kicked the two-point field goal this year, uh, but expectation on him to get another one probably wasn't as high. But the sideline conversion, look, overall, his, his goal-kicking stats this year, he's, they weren't quite as good. He actually kicked it under 80% this year. Now, he's been an over 80% kicker all his career now, you couple that with the groin injury went into the grand final. He only kicked again uh, at the captain's run, had a few shots. So basically he'd gone a week, week and a half without taking a practice shot. Uh, I mean, you'd have to get someone like a Daryl Halligan on, an expert in goal kicking, to say what that does to you. But they have to step up in that big moment. I'm pretty sure if Adam Reynolds had, you know, we'll never know, this is just a hypothetical, but this is my suspicion. If the preparation was as per normal, as in fully fit, Adam Reynolds gets that kick because he's one of the best left-hand touchline kickers I've ever seen in my life. But I think that the lack of preparation in the goal kicking probably didn't help, and, uh, and that's cost Adam Reynolds in that key moment. But that's an unfortunate factor. When you get to this end, a lot of players are carrying injuries, and it just so happened that Adam was carrying the injury, and he's the goal kicker. On this side of the Tasman, uh, we're asking, uh, what does the future hold for Benji Marshall? Uh, have you heard anything? Do you, do you see anything um, under the radar here? Yeah, well, the mail, the mail that only came out on the weekend, it is a Queensland club that has expressed interest. Now, I, I wouldn't think it would be the Cowboys, given they've already you know, outlaid on Chad Townsend and, and Tom Dean coming into the ranks, and we've got Scott Drinkwater as well. And I, and I don't think Benji would go up to Townsville, um, uproot everything and, and take the family up there. He's now the father of two kids, of course. But I don't think that, that, uh, that, that Brisbane or South East Queensland would be such an unattractive option. So I'm thinking maybe, you know, maybe the Titans have come in and, and thought, well, they saw what he provided South Sydney. Could he do the same at the Gold Coast with young halves like um, Toby Sexton and AJ Brimson and co? That um, Benji Marshall, maybe there's a contract there. Of course, he's already had one seen at Brisbane. Would Kevin Walters see some value? Well, I'm sure he'd see some value, but whether he'd want to get him on board. But, but, but I'm hearing that a, a club from Queensland will either be the Titans or the Broncos, but more likely the Titans. Um, have expressed interest, but of course, then what money there is involved, I'm not sure. And uh, but but I didn't look at a bloke last night looking like that he was content with a retirement decision. Now that might change in the coming weeks and months. But to me, he didn't look like a bloke who 
well, that's it. You know, like cues in the rack. I, I don't know how you read the body mm. language of Benji last night. I, I, I still feel as if he's got a bit to offer. Yeah, I, I, and it's always it's always very easy to make these calls the morning after. But you know, he'll make his decision in time, and he'll make a very good one. And uh, if he does go, um, I'll still get value for money out of him because uh, he's certainly he's certainly got the ability. Vossi, how much have times changed? Eh? I can't recall ever thinking or, or imagining that Arthur Beetson or Mark Guy or anyone of that ilk would get engaged straight after the NRL final. Uh, but it happened last night. Wasn't that romantic? Oh, well, that's what I'm saying. What, what's happened to the game? I mean, back in the old days, we used to talk about blokes, you know, they get a tooth knock out and they put it in their sock and, and have it after the game. I mean, Brian's carried a wedding ring around, an engagement ring around, and he socks the whole game. I mean, come on, they're soft. I mean, we're talking about, you know, players getting their uh, their eyebrows waxed. Of course, I'm joking. They are different times, Smithy. Um, let's be a romantic. What a lovely moment for Brian Guy. Biggest side of his footballing <laughs> life, now coupled with one of the biggest moments of his life. Um, boy, boy you, you, you know, how do you top that? I mean, what, how, how do you top, how do you, top uh, you know, proposing at a grand final having won the premiership? I mean, the wedding and the wedding reception is going to have to be a good one. You have to do something special. I, I, be, I guess the $64,000 question is, had they lost, would he have proposed? Would he have wanted Ooh, to get engaged the night they lost the grand final? Would he? Would he? Yeah, wow. That, that's that's so fun. I wish I'd have thought of that. I would have had talk back all morning on that. That is a great question. <laughs> <laughs> that is a really good question. Would it have just been done back at the team hotel, Smithy? I don't have an answer for that one. I don't have an no, answer for that. No. I'm just a humble rugby league yeah. commentator. I'm not, I'm not, this isn't the Andrew Goss love line. This is a rugby league chat. <laughs> Uh, the the Andrew Voss love line though loves a good story about club and these days of course you talk about players going to and fro all the time. Kenra's story is a, is a pretty damn good one when you consider thirteen of those players were actually Panthers juniors. Now that that someone's got to get some credit for for holding that together and, and providing that that stability that loyalty. Yeah, and I, and I tell you, I mean, if our listeners don't know the areas that they come from, I mean, you're not talking, no one's born with a super spoon, uh, silver spoon in their mouth out Penrith way. Um, you know, there's some battling stories from, from um, for, you know, big families, and uh, it, it looks to the tr- incredible rugby league nursery. I mean, the numbers are the biggest in Australia, in the western suburbs of Sydney, but, you know, there's a lot of blokes, they, they operate off hand-me-downs and hand-me-down boots and all that sort of thing. Very humble beginnings. Mm. Um, and, some, and, and really, it is a win. When, when a club like Penrith win it, it's a win for, you know, even the blokes who run for the barbecue on match days at, at the different junior clubs, the, the mums and the dads who work in the stalls and you know, all those sorts of things. I mean, it's a real community club, Penrith. Um, and just a shame they weren't there. They weren't able to celebrate it even last night. I mean, Smithy, I'll just give you this little anecdote from... Last night, I mean, I, I asked the question today, what was the financial cost of last night? I mean, if the pubs were open in Sydney, out at Penrith, the Penrith Leagues Club, can you imagine their mm. takings last night and for the next week and month? I mean, you're talking in the millions of dollars, but you know what? It was shut last night. The Leagues Club's actually open today, but you know why it's open? It's a vaccination hub. <laughs> the Panthers Leagues yeah. is a vaccination hub. No poker machines operating, oh. no bistro, but they are a vaccination hub. That's just a reflection of where we're at in our lives at the moment. The Penrith win a competition. They're stuck in Brisbane. Their home fans are just driving around. Can't have a party. Can't go to a pub. And the Leagues Club's a vaccination hub. So if you look at the whole NRL competition this year, the whole way it's been rocked and rolled around the, the, part, you know, the parts of Australia that it's been to, 
Is the MVP for the NRL this year Peter Volandis? Oh, yeah, Peter Volandis. Very hard to go past Peter Volandis with with a with an assist, of course, from the Queensland government. I, look, I, I think what we have learned, and I'm not here to hop on a high horse and tell New Zealand how to run their business, but I think what we've learned in the bigger picture, governments can't beat a virus. Okay, so so I think there's been a bit of luck involved to get through to where we are. I mean, we could have had an outbreak last week that led to the game being played in front of no fans whatsoever, like what we've got New South Wales. Victoria's numbers are now skyrocketing. Um, so Peter Volandis probably can't take, can't take 100%, but by due, has been good having him at the helm. Um, he's been a constant force over the last two years, and I think League should hope that he stays uh, you know, at the helm for as long as, uh, as, long as possible. Um, because, you know, we've got some big decisions to make on expansion and, and things returning to normal. The next big story is going to be the vaccination rate of players mm. and what we're going to do if players don't mm. get vaccinated. I'm hearing today, like Air New Zealand, reiterating their words, no jab, no fly. Well, how's that going to work? Getting football teams around the place. So there's some big things happening, and Peter Volandis has got, got to guide us through that next challenging task in the NRL. Yeah, no doubt about it. It's, there's a lot of decisions to be made and a lot of preparations uh, to be made as well, just on the basis that things might improve over the next few months and the downsize, uh, down season, Vossi, but uh, most unlikely we are forecasting and it might be a case of more of the same for the NRL, particularly in the early part of the season. Thanks so much for your time as always, mate. Great review of the grand final. Uh, great work throughout the season. Good on you, Smithy, and, and the league's been gone, what, 12, 14 hours? I'm missing it already. What are we going to do today? Four and a half months. Good on you, Smithy. OK, mate, just think... Oh, I don't know. Just... I'll just think about that engagement question, will you, mate? That'll, that'll take it out, take the edge out of you. Conundrum. Thank you. See ya. Yep. Cheers. Andrew Voss there, folks. Absolute legend. Um, and, uh, you know, those guys uh, live, breathe, and love the game to that extent. Um, they uh, love a grand final, and um, to be perfectly honest, I, I loved it. Uh, anything that goes down to the wire when it's, there's that much at stake, it's got to be a lot of drama in that. 11.20. Here on SCNZ, uh, more of your texts uh, after the break, even a phone call or two wouldn't go amiss. Um, 8833 uh, is the text number. You've been busy this morning and we are grateful for that. 0800 150 811 is the phone number. Past Smithy, this is Mornings with Ian Smith on SCNZ. Yeah, 25 past 11 here on SCNZ in the mornings uh, and some texts uh, from you, which has been great, uh, the, uh, and it's Goose. Goose has come in with a, an observation. Poor choice, he says, from Brian too. Uh, now when he wants to celebrate the grand final in the years to come, he, he'll have to get a permission slip because it'll always be the anniversary of his engagement. So um, that's a tough one to, to have to get over. Or does he say, Goose says, is that a smart one because he won't forget the days either. So, yeah, maybe uh, a bob each way. Uh, in terms of uh, the rugby uh, good morning, Smithy. Post-match analysis and comment can be very fickle. It's been alarm bells ringing and a degree of doom and gloom since the box last gasp win over the All Blacks. All manner of changes to the team are being suggested, but for a dubious 82nd-minute penalty, nah, not sure it was dubious, not sure. I think it was well-warranted, but uh, they could penalise so many times for offside. Uh, we live over at the offside line, so do they. Everyone does. Uh, the discussion might be different apart from that. Well, sure. Don't forget the box through everything, including several kitchen sinks and a marble bench top at us, and we still tried, uh, outscored them. More knee-jerking reaction this morning than Geordie got red-carded for recently, and P.S. Smithy, 
when you watch the Big Shield game on Saturday, don't forget where you were born. Mm, cutting it the quick there. All Blacks, our previous aura of being favourites has gone. We live in a new world. The box in England are bigger and more physical. Uh, other countries are catching up. Watch out for France. And as Bowie highlighted, that is the one to watch going forward before Christmas. We need a seven. Um, we need seven times Geordie Barrett clones in the back row. Uh, eight times Ethan Blackadder clones in the pack and a skipper who takes the three points when they are on offer. P.S. We are missing Aaron Smith, uh, Sam Kane, um, Sam Whitelock. Uh, not Sam Kane, Sam Whitelock. But they, they were missing Peter, Steph Detoy, and uh, Jason Colby, of course, they were. Uh, we are missing Aman Onu in the back line, John. So uh, there has been a lot of feedback. We've had a heap of them this morning. Uh, 90% disappointed, 10% saying, hey, it's a loss. Get over it. You know, we're still a great side, and we are. But I think it's just a warning uh, that we, uh, on any given day, are vulnerable, particularly when we chop and change and key, play, but key players aren't there. Yeah, exactly. And we were always going to judge Ian Foster on these Springboks tests. So I know a lot mm. of people are getting upset out there and saying, hey, it's just a loss. But these were the benchmark games. You know, we always knew we were going to thrash the Wallabies, beat the Pumas. That, that was a given. So we've got two games now that we can judge Ian Foster and this team on, albeit without a whole host of very important players, which I think needs to be an asterisk next to it, Smithy. But still, I, I'm, I'm still worried about how we lost the last World Cup, and it doesn't show me these two performances that we've found a way to outplay a team who really wants to come hard at us at those set-piece areas especially, uh, that, that we can um, overcome those sorts of challenges. Uh, maybe when the cavalry comes back, like Dane Coles and Sam Whitelock, maybe that does change a little bit, uh, but I'm not totally convinced that this All Blacks team uh, can put away a team that wants to beat them up and bully them uh, these days, Smithy. Those are the concerns I have. It's not doom and gloom. I'm not saying get rid of Ian Foster. I think he, he's had a great season so far, but I am concerned that the All Blacks can't fight fire with fire sometimes. Yeah, well, Stephen's uh, hit on one for me. He's just come in and said, Smithy, how often did I see... Graham Moorey down on one knee with his team in a mid-game huddle, changing a plan or reinforcing the plan. Uh, he didn't see uh, Artie doing that too often. Captaincy is very new to Artie. To a player like Graham Moorey, leadership was an absolute natural thing. Captaincy is, is a thing that uh, can be uh, could be natural within you, but you still need experience for all those qualities to come out, and it's early days for him at that level. But what I will say, he's undoubted in the starting eight. He is undoubtable, undoubted and the, the back three of the pack. So uh, finding his spot might be the key. I really do like uh, the way Blackadder has uh, done his stuff during uh, his time back with um, back with the All Blacks, and he's only going to get better and stronger because his attitude and the way he plays the game is welcome, I think, on any football field. So uh, that is, that's probably our, one of our last views on it this morning. But however, uh, 11.30, and it is time to stump Smithy uh, 0800 150 811 50 bucks worth of TAB vouchers up for grabs. Ian Smith's had a good match here. Stumped by Smithy. Ian Smith really is top class at his job. Stumped by Smithy this morning, and you might have noticed earlier on when Smithy mentioned uh, if you're the best text of the week or the month, you get a temper pillow worth $299 of your text of the week and a bed and pillows worth 10 grand if you're the best text of the month. Well, sleep drops have also jumped on board, Smithy. 
And so not only on Stump by Smithy will you get 50 bucks from the TAB, you'll get some sleep drops, uh, the New Zealand's only specialist range of sleep and stress support supplements, which is awesome. So first in line and first chance of winning sleep drops, as well as the 50 bucks from the TAB, is Scott from Wellington. G'day, Scott. Morning, guys. How you going? I'm doing very well. Uh, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, two prizes to play for on Stump by Smithy today. The game works by I give you three sporting categories. You choose one, then I give you three questions, get them all right. You do get some sleep drops and 50 bucks from the TAB, but get a question wrong and Smithy comes in for the stumping. You know how that works, Scott? I do, yep. Uh, confidence levels this morning? Oh, pretty good. Pretty yeah. good? Yeah, I like that. Humble but also yeah. confident. It, it depends on, the, on what the categories are, though. All right, well, let's find that out now. Rugby union, boxing or football? I will go with football, please. Football, all right. Smithy, it's been a while. Football, you got a few stumpings last week? Mm. Yeah, I did get a couple of stumpings last week, but I'm, I'm, I'm not overly confident on the football side of things. So uh, at this stage... I'd say Scott's a slight favourite. All right, nice. Well, Smithy's been great at the bookies lately as well. So let's get started. Football, of course, meaning uh, soccer, for those who don't know. Uh, First question. Winston Reid has parted ways with West Ham after 11 years with the Premier League club. How many games did Winston Reid play for the Hammers? One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. A tough question to get exactly right, but 240 is not correct, Scott. So a chance for a stumping, Smithy? Yeah, well, he played 11 seasons with them. He didn't play all of those, so he was on loan a bit towards the end of his career, etc. They played 38 league games a season. Um, and I'm thinking that closer to 300, so I'm going to say, for some reason, 311. He's got him, he's out caught. Not correct, Smithy, unfortunately. Uh, Scott was closest, 222. Or as Richie Benno would oh, okay. say, Smithy? 222. <laughs> <laughs> you beauty. <laughs> Question number two, Scott, you're still alive. Manchester United fans are talking up their chances of winning the title this year. When's the last time Man U won the Premier League? Uh, 2013? Just a couple of chips down the wicket, right in the slot, and away it goes. You've done very well there, very well. Are you a Man U fan? No, no, not at all. (laughs) <laughs> no, you wouldn't remember that, Smithy. You'd try and erase it from your memory, wouldn't you? Man, you winning. Well, I, I don't care what they win. I'm Spurs and and half leads. That's it. Spurs and half leads. So I don't have as many great moments as uh, those bandwagon jumpers uh, on United's uh, big band wagon. But uh, I, I do have... And you, the less moments you have, the more you enjoy them, John. Exactly. Okay. I know that. I know that very well. Um, Scott, whose team do you support in the Premier League? Uh, Everton. Everton. Right, I see. The Merseyside derby. Very good. All right. Last question to win the sleep drops and the 50 bucks from the TAB. The question is, the last Football World Cup was held in 2018 in Russia. Who was in the final? Italy and Croatia. Beat everywhere. 
Body nowhere, and uh, the rest of him on the way back to the pavilion. Not correct. Chance for a stumping, Smithy. Italy and France. One of the worst things I have oh, ever seen God. done on a cricket field. You both danced around it. Together, you got the right answer. It was France, Croatia, 4-2 to the French. So that means, Scott, by default almost, that you win the sleep drops and you win the 50 bucks from the TAB. Well done, mate. Oh, that's awesome. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Smithy. Hey, no problem. Have a great week, Scott. Um, and, uh, yeah, all the best. Stay away from that virus, mate. It's 11.37 here on SENZ. Uh, we'll be making our way to midday where we'll talk to uh, Mark Stafford, of course, uh, and uh, preview, uh, preview his show. Also, uh, review his interview with Rabs Warren. What a beauty. I heard little excerpts of it, so... Uh, just what a highlight that is to talk to a bloke like that. We get Vossi, he got Rab Warren. So uh, for the the big weekend, that was rugby league. Um, yeah, very interesting indeed. Very, very interesting. So um, the amount of texts and reaction that uh, we've had. Um, also, Chase has just sent one in. This is an interesting one. Hey, Smithy, it was nice to see women's test cricket on TV. Although only a four-day test, the result could have happened on day five. Would be awesome to see our white ferns playing test cricket in the future. I don't know if that's on the radar or not. I know there's a cost factor involved, and certainly it seems like forever, forever ago, um, that New Zealand women's team played a, a cricket test. I bet they'd like to. I really do think. And uh, <coughs> we've got some players who uh, who have been some of New Zealand's best ever. Um, you know, the likes of Susie Bates, Sophie Devine, um, you know, Amelia Kerr. Leah Tahuhu, um, Amy Sathis-Waite, you know, a lot of players who deserve to have uh, played Test cricket, so maybe. Uh, maybe that's something that the, the Players, Association, Players Association get involved in it as well because it would be a preference. England play against Australia in the women's ashes, of course, and India are now playing Test cricket as well, uh, women's Test cricket, so power of the dollar, I think, because there are a lot of costs involved. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, you're in safe hands. It's Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. It's 11.44 here on SENZ. Just news coming in from uh, the American golf circuit, uh, the PGA. Uh, the Sanderson's Farms Championship has just been won by American Sam Burns by one shot, finishing 22 under. So uh, he collects another PGA event. He's had a great 12 months, has Sam Burns. Um, of course, if you haven't uh, caught up with some of the EPL results as well, I can give you a, a couple of updates there. And uh, Crystal Palace 2, Leicester City 2, Tottenham beat Aston Villa 2-1. Uh, Tottenham boss Nuno Espirito Santo said his players are unstoppable when they are confident after seeing them return to form uh, in that victory over AV. Uh, West Ham 1, Brentford 2, Liverpool 2, Manchester City 2 week, uh, res- results from over the weekend. So... Yeah, topsy-turvy at the moment. It's Chelsea on top of the table. Now, it wouldn't be uh, a proper review of an all-black test match if we didn't hear from uh, Dino from Dunedin. Dino, um, who uh, comes to us this morning, courtesy of uh, an all-black loss, but also a a weekend at the Law Courts Hotel. So, Dean, uh, we need a a bit of a review on both, to be fair. Well, you can't beat the um, uh, roast meal there, 18 bucks. And the lamb shanks for 28, that'll feed an army. So the food's outstanding. Alcohol's alcohol smithy, but you've got to put some food with it, otherwise you don't see these games when they kick off that late at night. 
um, the rugby. Reno, uh, yeah, go, go, man, go. Yeah, the the I loved it, absolutely loved it. For me, and it's not only me; it's a lot of people that care about the game. Is that we we've got a huge worry with what our forwards are doing. I mean, South Africa lost the first test. Now we can sort of see possibly because Mostak lost the ball forward. Otherwise, they would have set for a drop kick, possibly just drove into us again and earned a penalty. Now, we could have easily lost both these tests. We could have easily won both these tests. But the, for me, the good thing is it's not a World Cup. So 100th test matters. Did, did Saturday night really matter? I suppose it did, but it taught us a wee bit. And we could learn a little bit from the NRL, maybe. Like, I know the coach is doing a, a bloody good job, and everyone's got an opinion on who should be there and who should be where. But they have a, a fullback to prop best and fairest thing. Because I think it's time the All Blacks started picking the guy that's the best in the position, like they used to in the old days, plays that position. Like For me, Anton Leonard-Brown is a centre or a 12, one or the other, but he's not a winger. And Rico Iwani, for me, and it's only my opinion, is a world-class winger. A couple of issues under the high ball, but the way South Africa kicked them and the way England kicked them, every person with two feet, and red blood's going to struggle to catch the damn thing when you're pummeled into it at the same time. Now, that's talent to put it in the right spot. So it's not entirely his fault if he drops it. But when I see Anton Leonard Brown running down the left wing with one man to beat, and that should be Rico Ioane in my book. And now my money's on him to go just a little bit further than what Anton did. Now, don't take, don't take it the wrong way. I rate Anton Leonard Brown. But this putting people in wrong positions, like you said about the goal kicker in the league having an injury, if you don't practice and practice and practice, because it's your job, you just don't do the natural things, you know? So it's lots of little things to come out of those games. But our full pack getting pummeled, I don't like seeing that. And having the ball 30 seconds to go to win it, like I said last week, Southland had it held the ball for six minutes to beat Canterbury 9-3 or something to win the Shield. So have you know, we got the right players in the right positions? What do you reckon? Well, I don't think we have, no. I'm, I'm with you on that, but this is not a recent thing, is it? I mean, we go back to Cullen being the best fullback perhaps the game's ever seen, uh, playing at, at centre. We, Tana Rumanga were the great wingers uh, we had during that time, playing at centre. Leon McDonald being involved at centre. So I, that 13 jersey for me, um, you know, we had a great era with Nonu and Smith, etc. But boy, we've had some fun around it. Uh, and that's one jersey in particular. Has Geordie Barrett in your eyes? I mean, you've got to have a great goal kicker. You've got to have a reliable one. Does Geordie Barrett uh, start at fullback? People are saying perhaps he could be on the wing. He's not a natural winger, is he? No, he's not. And I don't, well, I don't want to sound hypocritical to moving people around, but he has played 12. And I reckon the closer you get him to his brother, the better he could possibly be. Now, he's going outstanding at fullback, don't get me wrong. But in my opinion, attack-wise, Will Jordan is better. And that's what I was getting at. If you went through the Super Rugby best player in that position, it wasn't Geordie Barrett at fullback for the Hurricanes. It was Will Jordan for the Crusaders. Now, they're putting him on the wing. But we've done it for years, like you just said. Bodie Barrett, the world's best 10, two years in a row, and we put him at fullback. Why? Why do that? Yeah. We've got an abundance of talent in New Zealand. Pick the best bloke in the all-black jersey like this 
it's an old adage too that it's bloody harder to get in than it is to get out, but it's starting to cost us. Well, Dino, um, always, always enjoy your passionate uh, review and preview of things. I, I'm glad that you enjoyed the, the menu at the Law Courts Hotel at the weekend as well. Uh, always great to hear from you, mate. Don't be a stranger. Uh, very valuable to uh, our show and mine in particular. I love it. Uh, still uh, time for a couple of uh, late texts. Smithy, you need to make COVID masks the shape of the Ramfurly Shield with Hawke's Bay all over it and hand them out to everybody. Don't let Tasman take the shield because your buckethead neighbour, Kerry, wants Manawa two to have a crack. So Kerry, uh, they'll be doing their best uh, just for you, I'm sure. Um, and another texter who, a text, text person who said, I texted a few weeks back about people that thought the All Blacks will smash the box, uh, will be the same people that will try and blame players and the coach the day after they lose. So that is true, that is true, and that is because uh, we all have an opinion on the All Blacks. Uh, we all enjoy their success, and we all are dismayed uh, when it doesn't go right. Um, but there are valid points with what a lot of people are saying as well. Uh, so thanks for your, your input there this morning. It's been great. Um, honestly, the pages have just been full of very, very valid uh, remarks. And those will continue throughout the afternoon, I'm sure, uh, in a review situation with Mark Stafford, who joins us after the break.